0: You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is Daniel Howard's interview with the director of Toy Story 4, Josh Cooley. Everyone, Bonnie made a friend in class. Oh, she's already making friends. No, no, she literally made a new friend. I want you to meet Forky. Uh, Hi. 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 Ah. (gasps) He's a spork. Yes, yeah, I know. Forky is the most important toy to Bonnie right now. We all have to make sure nothing happens to him. Woody,
1: we have a situation. I am
0: not a toy. I was paper soup, salad, maybe chili, and then the trash. Freedom! Bus, we've got to get forky. Affirmative.
2: Hello, and this is Daniel Howitt. I'm here with Josh Cooley, the Oscar-nominated screenwriter of Inside Out, and the director of this year's Toy Story 4. Josh, thanks for joining us today.
0: Thank you for calling.
2: So, if my information is correct, you were fifteen when the first Toy Story came out. Is that is that right? That's right. Yeah. How's it feel to now have directed a, a sequel to such a, an iconic movie?
0: Um, it's very surreal. I still I still can't believe it. Honestly, it's. Uh, I remember seeing the first two in the theaters with my family, and just that feeling of just uh, you know watching the, just great films and enjoying them together, and so. It's definitely something I thought about the entire time. Just bringing the fourth one to the screen it's just like how I wanted. I wanted to bring that feeling I had as an audience member yeah. back again, and just uh, for my for my own kids as well.
2: How did you end up as Toy Story four as your directorial debut? I mean, I, I know you, of course, co wrote Inside Out, and you were working at Pixar for quite some time. But how did how did you come to land this project uh, as director?
0: Well, at the uh, the end of Inside Out, I was. Um, I was head of story and writer on Inside Out, and I was also uh, directing the uh, Riley's First Date, which was a short uh, that went along with Inside Out. Yeah. At the same time, I was doing that, I was asked to become uh, to work on Toy Story 4, uh, and I had the same kind of questions that everybody asked when it was announced, which was like, "Well, I thought it was over. I, I thought mm-hmm. that was it. I, I didn't know they're doing another one." And uh, but when we, you know, sat down and talked about what it could be about in the return of Bo Peep. It, um, I was very intrigued because that question of like, well, why do another one? What what else is there left to do? Kind of became the answer, which is, what's left for Woody? Mm. What can he's kind of done anything? What's next? And so, um, I so once I became the, the director, that was something that I was really um, excited to tell that story. What is next for Woody? We know this character so well, but what hasn't he done?
2: Yeah. And what were, as, as you started to dive into the story, um, what were the themes that kind of resonated with you the most? What, what made you want to tackle the, those questions?
0: Well, the, you know, the um, Bo Peep's return was always in there from day one. We, in fact, we even uh, named the movie Peep as our code name internally. Yeah. So um, I have a great relationship with my wife and in the same way in the film that Bo kind of came into Woody's life and uh, kind of showed him, you know, took the blinders off, kind of showed him that there's more than than just the kid's room. Uh, It's it's very much the relationship I had with my wife. And so uh, I was able to connect with it on that level. And um, just in terms of Woody's, uh, Woody's arc, but also even something as small as side character, like Mm Sforky, who's just kind of just innocent. doesn't really kind of, it's kind of thrown into the the deep end basically, by becoming a toy. It's kind of how I felt, you know, directing a toy story film. It's just a big, idea, and you're just like, what is going on? Mm. So, um, there's kind of aspects I, I could see of myself kind of sprinkled throughout.
2: Yeah, well, uh, dive into that pressure a little bit. I mean, like like we've already said, you know, there there are three other films, massive franchise. What? what how, how did that pressure feel of, of joining this franchise?
0: It felt great. <laughs> <laughs> no, it felt, uh, I'm joking. Um, it was terrifying, yeah. and, um, you know, early on, it was just like we didn't fully have the whole story. And so we're just, you're you're searching around for it. And you know, there's a lot of like, is this, is this the right idea? Is this even a good idea? Like, Mm. It's, you know, because the first three are so powerful and, um, it's a lot of pressure and there's a lot of, you know, a lot of people grew up with these, with these characters and with these stories. But I will say that, um, one of the things that made it really great was that that same kind of pressure of wanting to make a great film is what kind of got us through at making it. And so uh, a lot of our crew was, uh, a lot of them were were actually on the original Toy Story. So Mm. I can really lean on them and their expertise on, you know, things they've done in the past. And then also we had a lot of uh, the younger side of the crew that Toy Story was the first movie they ever saw. So they're coming at it from a fan point of view as well. So it's really great kind of spectrum of, of, of love for these characters in the world. So I really like would listen to that a lot. And, um, but the, you know, the pressure I kind of had to try and put it outside of my head as much as possible, you know, it never fully, it's always there, but otherwise you just kind of freeze up and, and not do anything. Yeah. But, uh, I think the pressure helps. Yeah. Unfortunately. <laughs>
2: Well, I, yeah, I was curious. I mean, being th- this being your direct your featured directorial debut, do you feel like you had more pressure on you that you were joining an existing franchise, or or if you this had been an original uh, an original uh, universe that you kind of created from scratch?
0: Well, I think that um, it's just too. I've worked on a lot of originals and a lot of sequels, yeah. and I think it's a it's a it's a different type of pressure. With the original, you're creating something completely from scratch, and you have to kind of prove to the audience, like, this is worth your time to see. Right. And then with a sequel, there's an expectation. And especially when you're up to the fourth film, it, there's an even larger expectation. And so the good thing is that there is a world that has been created that people already are invested in, but then you have to show them that, it's, uh, that there's more to that world, and it has to... F- kind of match the feeling that they've had before. So yeah. it's I think it's two different types of pressure on each one. Sure.
2: So so with with Toy Story 4 and I guess this question kind of applies to all Pixar films, but but there, there's such a good balance of these heavy adult themes, you know, uh, you know, Toy Story talking Toy Story 4 we're talking about existence and growing apart and and uh, all these things. So how do you balance that for for Having these re- these really heavy themes, but also still keep it balanced for a, f- a family audience or, or kids.
0: Um, it's a great question. I think that um, one of the part of the answer is that we always approach this as we're making these films for ourselves, mm. and what would we want to see? What what do we want to watch? And you know, the the built in part of Toy Story is that they're toys, which are naturally a kid's uh, you know a kid's item, right? Right. Um, so that there is that's kind of built into it, but uh, we always approach it from these are movies we want to see, and that these are characters that are real they 're not just toys they have feelings, they have emotions they um, can get angry they can get uh, they can be afraid they, they're real characters that just happen to be toys, so mm-hmm. I think everybody can relate to that can see that they 're not just um, colorful you know designs, but they're also uh, they're, they feel real. Yeah, absolutely.
2: One of the new locations in this film was is, is the antique store. And we spent a lot of time in the antique store. And and some of those sequences, I got to say, are super terrifying. <laughs> the, the You know, the dummies and, and uh, all Gabby Gabby's uh, henchmen kind of uh, how did you make sure that those scenes, uh, again, kind of similarly, were terrifying for adults, but still accessible enough for that kids could enjoy those sequences?
0: Well, I think those are very specific in that that, that dolls, um old dolls and ventriloquist dummies, people are, are already coming to the table with a um a feeling about them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um you know, that you can't not think of a doll that's an old doll like that wanting to kill you. There's just that's just <laughs> kind of built into the design <laughs> right. of something old like that. But, but you know, we went to a lot of antique stores for reference, and we'd see old dolls and and dummies all over the place. So, it it just felt like that's where they would reside. Yeah. And uh, I actually love dummies. I had one as a kid, so that part of that is my nod to a nod to my childhood. Nice. That um, you know, but uh, I have a love for them. But uh, I, that we played into that. You know, we wanted the audience to feel afraid of Gabby Gabby and the dummies early on, so that we can then twist it. Yeah. And that definitely worked.
2: Definitely worked. Uh, you know, I can't believe we've gotten this far in in the in the conversation without with only barely talking about Forky. So, uh, tell me about the the creation of Forky, and and when did you kind of realize you might have a new iconic character here?
0: Uh, yeah, that's. There was never a moment where we were like, oh, this is an iconic character, you know. But what what where it came from was this. Just talking about our own kids, you know, we you obviously use our own lives as reference yeah. for these films and just you have to feel what these characters are going through. So we were talking about our own kids and how they'll play with anything. And, uh, you know, the, my kids will pick up a rock and pretend it's a truck or whatever. Mm-hmm. So we were kind of joking, like, well, what does that mean in the Toy Story film? Does that mean that the rock is alive? Or does that mean it has <laughs> emotions and everything? And we, it, in a way it actually started to kind of unravel the rules of the Toy Story universe, but, but we went the other way with it, which is like, well, what if we actually did that? What would happen? And so we had the idea of her creating, a, you know, Bonnie creating a toy and that toy, that, that thing all of a sudden being alive and going, what is happening? This doesn't make any sense. You know, Forky's never seen Toy Story one through three. So it doesn't understand any of the rules of the world. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that just became really fun. and, so it did two things. It allowed you to have a character that doesn't know anything that the audience already knows because they've seen the other films. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of comedy there. But it also allowed um, – the, the moment where we realized he was so in, integral to the movie was when uh, Woody was kind of forced to explain to him what it means to be a toy because then that allows you to have the protagonist kind of ex- like you know explain their worldview right. and to have it poked at as well. So he became a really important character as well as, well as kind of our uh, – mcguffin throughout right you get tony hale and and he's just hilarious right you know full of heart and comedy
2: so you have been nominated for an oscar for inside out and now you're kind of back in the awards race with toy story 4 here what's it like being caught up in this whole awards thing this whole awards race is it is it fun is it weird is it awkward doing like conversations like this like like what what is it being caught up (laughs) in the awards race
0: I I love talking about the movie. Um, I'm I'm very proud of it. it. It's it is it is weird to be talking about it when it came out, you know, almost six months ago. Right, but right. Uh, I'm very proud of the film. I'm the the team that you know we all worked on. They did just a phenomenal job. It's just it's 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 so much fun to watch, and it's just I so I enjoy talking about it still. Um, and uh, I just I can't believe we're at this point because when you're in the middle of working on these films, it feels like the the end of the tunnel will never
1: arrive (laughs) but
0: then it does and uh it's just it's great to have it out there and getting such a great response from people
2: yeah well congratulations on the success of the film it is it's wonderful and I'm, i'm so glad that you you were able to
0: talk to me today thanks thank you so much hey everyone thank you for listening to daniel howard's interview with josh cooley the director of toy story 4 nominated for best original song and best animated feature you have been listening to The Next Best Picture Podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, ACAST, CastBox, and also on Spotify. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you will get some exclusive podcast content from us.